a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. 1.20 is the time here in the KSL newsroom. Have you ever seen the movie Casino Jack? Yeah, it's uh, William H. Macy, or no, not William H. Macy, Kevin Spacey. You always get those names uh, confused. Not the people, not the actors, but the names. Uh, Kevin Spacey is in that one, and so too is uh, Barry Pepper. Do you remember? Uh, They, a pair of lobbyists, portrayed in that movie a true story, uh, the true story of Jack Abramoff. Do you recognize that name? He was a powerful lobbyist in Washington, D.C., and he had dealings uh, with all sorts of folks. And, uh, well, he got a little sideways. He uh, he broke the law pretty good. <laughs> and uh, because of his uh, breaking of the law uh, in terms of bribery and exploiting uh, the the opportunity for earmarks and, and other things, uh, it, the, the rules changed dramatically in Washington, D.C. Uh, there, there was a time in Washington, D.C. where uh, lobbyists were able to, they were able to uh, give certain gifts. They were able to uh, pay for a transportation of certain individuals, members of Congress and uh, staffers. And so, too, was it possible for members of Congress to uh, solicit and secure earmarks. Now, set the lobbyists aside, and let's look at what uh, an earmark is exactly. It is, very basically, uh, targeted spending for a project or a cause, which often falls uh, very specifically within the boundaries of uh, any given congressional district. How did they work, or how did they work? Sometimes there are votes that are difficult for members of Congress to cast. They may feel a, a certain amount of pressure from, uh, from two sides. Number one, their constituency, those folks they represent back at the home district, may want the member of Congress to vote in a certain way. And on the other side of the coin, there is, say, uh, leadership, right? Uh, the, the whip and the speaker and, and all those uh, individuals that steer the ship of that body of Congress. And a, a certain member of Congress might feel uh, opposing forces. Leadership might want you to vote this way and your folks back home want you to vote that way. And so what do you do? How do you balance that? How do you, you know, unless you like vote from your heart, uh, how do you keep leadership happy and how do you keep the folks back home happy? If it's not a clear decision for you. Well, uh, in the earmark era, 
and this is the this is the pessimistic way of looking at it. Okay, there are, there are certainly members of Congress who very appropriately uh, secured funding for their specific re- and uh, members of Congress were able to deliver back to their constituents, uh, you know, certain projects and certain chunks of money that were very good for those communities. Anyway, that's all history. That's all ancient history. Relatively, 2011, that all went out the window. No more earmarks. There are some who look at this $1.9 trillion package and say that, okay, yeah, sure, maybe earmarks are gone, but uh, it looks like an earmark and it smells like an earmark and it quacks like an earmark. All the things that are added in there, all of the things beyond, say, the direct payments to Americans beyond the vaccine money. You know, when we're talking about... uh, well, I won't get into it, but the list is long, all right? And the percentage of money going to directly, uh, say, COVID vaccines and direct payments is but a small percentage of that giant $1.9 trillion. With that said, there are currently members of Congress, in particular Chairman of the House Appropriations Committee uh, and others, looking to revive earmarks, to bring them back. In fact, there was a meeting amongst uh, Democrats uh, just last week where that House Appropriations Committee chair laid out uh, a plan to bring earmarks back into vogue, back into fashion, back into the realm of acceptable. Now, sure, there were a few parameters, a few bumpers placed uh, on the behavior. The proposal includes a maximum of 10 requests per House member. Each member of the House only able to make 10 earmark requests. Uh, Number two, the second parameter, members will have to provide evidence of a community support. Okay, fine. There's a form that can be filled out. Next up, they'll have to, the members, will have to certify they have no financial interest in the project. So if I'm a construction guy, I go out to Congress, uh, I can't then funnel some earmarked money back to the home district and, oh, look at that, they've contracted my own company. None of that, according to the parameters laid out uh, in this caucus meeting last week. Finally, the total amount of funded projects would be limited to 1% of all discretionary spending. Uh, We'll forget about the math, but just know that uh, that's a limit of sorts. And so what do you think? Is that sufficient? For many, it's not. Uh, Specifically, Mike Lee and a handful of other uh, senators, they have introduced a piece of legislation that would, uh, would ban earmarks like the ones being discussed uh, on the Democrat side of the House. Banning earmarks in 2011 was the first step in reforming Congress's dysfunctional budget process. Much more work needs to be done, but backsliding into the corrupt and corrupting earmarks racket should not be an option. What do you think? What do you think? There, there are arguments on both sides. And in fact, there are Republicans that are making arguments for. In fact, uh, Representative uh, Tom Cole of Oklahoma, he recently said, as a member of the House Appropriations Committee, I believe there is a time and place for congressionally directed appropriations that are guided by a set of specific parameters. Congressionally directed appropriations. That's you know long form for earmarks. And then the reference to parameters, not necessarily an endorsement of those parameters uh, laid out there by the uh, Democratic House Appropriations Committee chair, a max of 10 per member. Uh, those member, member of, members of Congress have to provide evidence of community support. And then lastly, there must be a certification that no financial interest is uh, held 
in the project. So what do you think? Uh, we've walked through some of the history. We know where uh, some of the players stand right now, including your own Senator Mike Lee. Uh, you got any thoughts on this? Earmarks, good or bad? They bring about and carry with them certain negative connotations, seriously negative connotations. Synonymous with pork, right? Do the Democrats have a point? Or is the Mike Lee legislation appropriate? You have to decide. 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Love to hear what you have to think about that. And we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, another proposal uh, from this time Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren. She is proposing the revival of a wealth tax. Stick around. I'll break down the details and share with you my thoughts next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.